when you saw the rally and stuff, and then that's when it sunk in. It's like, oh, like, and when people kept saying it, it was like the world champion Chicago Cubs, and it was like, holy cow, they waited, they really won the World Series. Welcome to Deeper Dish. Welcome back to Deeper Dish. As a White Sox fan, one would think that I would never do an episode about the Chicago Cubs, that North Side team. But here I am doing an episode with my friend Patrick and my brother Dwayne about the Chicago Cubs, the team that they both follow. And it's an interesting discussion with these two young men about their fandom and how they became fans and the highs and lows of being a Cub fan. There are a lot of lows, but they recently experienced the ultimate high of all highs. Here is Dwayne and Patrick with their very own unique experiences when it comes to being Cubs fans. What's your connection to Chicago? Yeah, I simply grew up in the northwest suburbs. Nothing uh, nothing too special. You know, it definitely went against the grain. Grew up in the northwest suburbs, went to Illinois, moved to the city, you know. <laughs> definitely the only one who's ever done that. Yeah, it's funny because I actually didn't grow up as a Cubs fan. My dad is from St. Louis, so I grew up as a Cardinal fan. Didn't switch allegiances until high school. So we're talking uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, home run chase type stuff. It became more of a Cubs fan the Mark Grace era, if you will. And then when the 2003 Cubs changed over, that's really what sunk the Cubs barb into uh, my side. Were you hardcore Cardinals? Like- no. I was a baseball fan. I grew up just loving baseball. Back in the day, I could have quoted to every baseball player who played for every major league team and, and all of their stats because I have a freakish memory. And, like, if there was fantasy baseball online back before the internet, you know, I would have been all over it. Like, I would have been one of those kids that was just, like, insane about it. I was more into playing baseball in those days more so than actually being a Cubs fan. So you played? I you did. played in high school? I did. You played in college? Yeah. What did you play? Pitcher. Did you like pitching? I loved pitching mainly because I was better than hitting. I couldn't hit for anything. To this day, my wife still gives me shit because I play in a men's league. They get like, oh, man, you played in college? That's great. Oh, yeah, ringer. I got there in the swing. They're like, I thought you said you played in college, dude. I'm like, yeah, I was a pitcher. I'm like, I, I can do a monster bunt. You know, My grandfather was a pitcher in the Yankees organization in world war ii so he lost his leg and couldn't play anymore and then my dad played a little bit of minor league baseball so i'm the big family disappointment that i didn't get to get in that level but just kind of learning from those guys and the way they thought about the game in that cerebral context of the greg maddox is a good example of the way you think about approaching a game like a chess match you know everything you did up to that point even when you played the guy last year the pitches you threw to that guy in that exact situation influenced the way that what you're going to do next that's what I really liked about pitching. You could really get into somebody's head, more so than the whole throw at a guy's head and making it off the plate. When I came to play baseball, and everything to me was just being passionate about, you know, I just wanted to get back out there and throw one more pitch, go out there and throw one more game, get out there, and it still gets to me, and that's why I still play. So speaking of pitchers, mm-hmm. you mentioned Greg Maddox. As a Cubs fan, now that you told me you weren't a Cubs fan when he was, like, pitching, pitching, you look back, like, how amazing was that that he was here pitching for the Cubs and then how disappointing was that when he when he's gone he was such a perfect pitcher in every way because it was one of those things like as learning how to pitch like he wasn't the fastest guy out there he wasn't like just an overpowering physical specimen by any way he wasn't the guy who you know could snap a best curveball out there he just was like overthinking everybody that was the thing that just kind of really got you on it now the fact that they, they got him away was just had I been in the in the Cubs fandom that I that I am now I'd just be like oh here we go again that wasn't the first time they had done that you go back through the Lou Brock trade you go back through guy after guy after guy after guy it was just like you know, the cheap ass Cubs that were now it's the complete opposite now they're just you know spending money like I mean it's it's the complete opposite of you think of you know what they could do with Arietta. 
as much as I love Arietta, he's going to be making a ton of money, but you've gotten so much value out of him. The value that he has left is just there. And the fact that they traded away a Cy Young winner when he was, I think, what, 24, 25 or something, like, you don't do that. If he's 32, you're like, all right, you kick a gamble because he was on the other end of his career, and sure. But What was the story back then? He wanted to be paid like the best pitcher in baseball. Which he was. He was, and he <laughs> continued to be for a long time. And then not only did he leave the Cubs, he went to a team. Division that, rival because it was still the NL East at the time. And he went to a team that was just stacking up arms. Yeah. They won the NL East at least 10 or 12 years in a row, which is just like, oh, the regular season doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of like hockey with the Blackhawks. Yeah. Like, yeah, regular season doesn't matter. Yeah. I won't even watch it until the playoffs start. You know? Yeah. I remember when the Cubs played Atlanta in like a NLDS or something like that. And it was cheaper to go to a game in Atlanta. As a guy who drove down to Atlanta, it was cheaper <laughs> to go down to Atlanta. It was actually cheaper to fly and get a ticket and get a hotel than to buy a ticket at Wrigley. Yeah. Wrigley Field is as much a part of Cubsdom as the Cubs themselves. What makes that place so amazing that people will still come there and – Watch shitty baseball, watch championship baseball, whatever it may be. What What is the thing about Wrigley? I did the whole central tour, drove to all the stadiums, did that thing. And it's such an iconic place to me because it's in the middle of a neighborhood. Every other stadium that I know is like, oh, it's in the middle of a city. It's in this only giant parking lot that you have to pay and walk to versus, holy crap, this is a this is a Major League Baseball team right in the middle of my neighborhood. And I, and I lived there for, what, 10 years, like two blocks away. What really got to me there, my grandfather, when he came back from World War II in 46, like, it was the exact same stadium as when he was there it's the legacy of baseball that it's always going to be the same it's the same game that they always played it's the same game the same rules the same people were you turned off or hurt that the Ricketts family wanted to make changes to the stadium a lot of it needed to be done I mean there's a point of being nostalgic and then there's a point of we're being cheap because it's old and we're just trying to like squeeze a lemon as much as you can to get that last piece of juice out of it I get that they had to do it Part of me kind of misses the old school. Now it just looks just like Fenway to me. Like I mean, don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. I love Fenway that too. But it's like I, it lost a little bit of the uh, gritty appeal that I always liked about it. The Petroffs being a good example of that. That was not a high point. But the interesting part about it is like it's kind of like what you see is what you get. Like you said, there's no grand structure. It's mostly the field and just enough room for stands because it's right in the middle of someone's neighborhood. So when you think about that, it's like where is the fancy... 80-inch plasma screen that the, all the players love. There's nowhere to put that stuff. Now, you're going to have basic shit. It was pretty much the same locker room because I did the tour of the locker room thing back in the day. And I'm like, oh, it's the same locker room I had in high school. Like, <laughs> all right, well, yeah, they have a little nicer seat than I had. Yeah. But no, it's quite literally the same locker room. Yeah, I worked in the plant, the Ford plant on the south side, and there was a guy who was a Cubs fan. He said, you know, what he loved about going to Wrigley is that, you know, he was, at the time, he's probably 70 or 80 years old. And he's like, these players back in the day, they play the baseball game and they just walk right over to the bar and hang out with the fans. He said that that made the fans feel really close to the players and the team. That you could actually have a conversation, you know, with a general manager back then. That's not the way it is now. The celebrity culture of it all. I guess I liken it almost to the CEO compared to his average employee. And it used to be like a triple digit ratio. And now it's like, 50,000 to one. That's crazy. It's the same with baseball players. Like the average person, the average family that goes in there now, they're not making 20, anywhere near $20 million. No. You can't get into a baseball stadium for under 100 bucks. Like I'm talking about tickets, family food, yeah. swag, all that stuff. To a certain degree, from a business standpoint, I understand why the, the Ricketts family has to do that. You want to put a great product on the field, you got to spend money. You got to make money. Well, and people are willing to spend it. I mean, you, you look at if they're charging that much money, the, the stadiums are full. And I don't know whose fault that is. I mean, it's demand based versus supply based, right? I think it's, it's kind of like wealthy people that can pay for it. I actually think it's driven by corporations too. There are people with that have their comp structures as you're going to buy my season tickets or. I want to get paid enough so I can afford my season tickets or the company. Or I'm going to buy them to give them to my clients. and then, Right. Yeah. I think that sometimes drives up prices. But Wrigley has the – it's kind of backwards. The bleachers, they have a designated family section. But that's also where their people traditionally get rowdy and right. wasted. Oh, and it's like the last place you'd actually want to bring a family in. I went there and sat in the family section, and 
the people, the fans in that section, and the people that work there, the ushers, they're really good about making sure people don't get out of control. And the reason they call it family section is because they're in the bleachers, but the tickets are less expensive. Mm. As a Cubs fan, like, what is your low Cub moment? There are many. The big one to me was everybody knows the Bartman game, game six. Not necessarily the Bartman moment, because I remember watching that live. I was actually standing outside of Wrigley, and there was a tube TV that we were standing. So I was standing outside there, and there was like, oh, some kid went for the ball, whatever. I would have done the exact same thing if I was there, right? When Gonzo, the shortstop, Alex Gonzo, booted the next ball, I was like, all right, it's done. We're done. I know it. (laughs) Actually, I felt so terrible for him. I felt bad for his mom, but I felt so terrible for him because I'm like, all right, this kid, he's going to be the – Bucky Dent and like to this day nobody knows like who, who's Ellis Gonzalez I'm like no he's the guy who lost the 2003 NLCS like he's the guy no there's nobody, Bartman Bartman, Bartman Port, like this this 26 year old consultant who uh, dove for a ball along with 30 other people that were sitting right there and that was my pretty low moment so for those of you who don't know Cubs were playing the Marlins I believe right they were up one in the series and they had their three best pitchers coming up it was Imbrano, then Pryor, and then Kerry Wood the right. last game. Yeah. So they had the three best pitchers who at the time were like three young guns. Sure. Play is happening. There's a foul ball. Yeah, and it was, the I believe, the, either the eighth inning or seventh inning, something like yeah. that. A ball is hit to the left field, and it goes into the outfield, but it's close to Moises Alou. Mm-hmm. He's about to catch it, potentially. Right. Go over the wall. It yeah. still would have been a very difficult catch, sure. right? So – a fan who's wearing a Cubs hat, headphones. Picture the nerdiest guy you could possibly right. picture. So, right. so it's a young guy who typically a young guy you wouldn't see wearing headphones at a game. Right. Because typically that's an older person who wants to hear the radio play. Sure. Right? Hear the radio announcer announce the game. He's got glasses. He's got the, the Cubs, the, the, the standard Cubs hat. So he's dressed kind of dorky. He leans over the outfield wall to catch the ball as the Cubs player, Moises Ailu, who is rumored to have pee on his hands before a game. He never wore gloves to bat. Doesn't get the ball. It bounces off of this poor guy's hands. His name is Steve Bartman. While the ball is bouncing off of his hand, Moises Ailu can't catch it because it's being touched by someone in the stands. He doesn't catch the ball. Moises Ailu throws a tantrum. Five-year-old style. That then gets the crowd riled up around him Mm -hmm. and then it's like a wave happened but it was a bad wave it was like expletive we're gonna kill you to the point that they had to escort this guy out of the ballpark that's what happened in that moment but what people didn't realize is that this guy if you would have personally known him is the biggest cubs fan to ever walk wasn't making a lot of money. Saved up his money to get those tickets. Lived, breathed, Chicago Cubs. It's been passed down generation, (laughs) generation, generation. So there's no one in the world that felt worse for him than himself. As this thing starts to fall apart, the next batter. Same batter because it's a The same batter? Yeah. Next pitch. Hits it squarely to shortstop. Mm -hmm. That guy. Alex Gonzalez. Kicks it. Is an error leads to in a very unfortunate situation where the Cubs lose the game. The manager doesn't stop the play, Dusty Baker. He just like doesn't control his team. They just go out there and it's just continue to spiral out of control. Fast forward to prior to two years ago, people still hated this guy. Yeah. Bartman. Like not he, the shortstop. Yeah, not the shortstop. Not the manager for not mm-hmm. bringing his team in and saying, Hey, calm the fuck down. We still got this. But the fans Blame this guy. Yeah. To a true Cub fan, nobody will actually blame Steve Bartman. It wasn't his fault. It's the mob mentality of we want somebody to point to. (laughs) And for whatever reason, we can't point to ourselves. Right. So you just turn into like a big fraternity and sorority and go mob mentality like, fuck Bartman. But like on an individual basis, oh, I get it. I get it. I I would have reached for that ball too. Afterwards, his fucking life was ruined. He literally had to go into witness protection. This dude, who's all he's trying to do is catch a souvenir for his favorite team in the NLDS, and he literally, his life fell apart. To this day, he still has to live a secret life. Even though they won the World Series last year, and yeah. The guy could have milked it for millions of dollars and like sold his soul to like, you know, be the... 
No, he's like, I don't want to do it. I want to live my own life. He has like a, a buddy of his, or it was like a family friend who's a publicist, and was like, he was he was the one all question would have to go through this guy, and was like, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. Is fandom worth that? I don't know where that came from. I mean, like in my mind, I'm, I, you know, Manny uh, back in the 2008 series when he was all roided up and like the Hulk and ready to tear off his shirt and shit. No, I blame him more so because like I don't want to play against drugs. But but like this poor kid, I'm like I, I don't know. Like it never that never never made sense to me. You know, I thought that was for me as a just a sports fan. If I'm looking on the outside looking in, I thought that was a low point for Cubs fans. And you're right. Everybody I talk to would say, like, I feel bad for the guy. But then they would turn around and be like, that was our series. It wasn't even the World Series. It was a series to get to the World right. Series where anything could have happened. And we weren't even that good. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, we, we kind of snuck into the playoffs because the rest of the Central sucked. But that's the rational fan talking now. Oh, sure. This is the, this is the, the analytics guy in my mind going through all the. One of the things that stood out to me, and this was the true Cubs fan, that you got to see was like when the game was over and they were just sitting there and just like utter disbelief. To me, that's what fandom is. is You give your all. You don't like kick the Bartman guy out. You don't like yell at him. You're just hurt because your team lost. And I really like how the organization wasn't kicking people out. They were just letting them be in that moment of like, damn, we were so close. And you just looked around the stadium and it was like, I think there was pictures of like nuns and there were pictures of, of images of just like older women that have been fans for, I was like, you know what? That to me is what it's about. It's about loving your team, like staying up until 11 o'clock at night in the stadium. If you're going to go out, go out like that. Not the whole throwing shit at Steve Bartman, throwing beers at him and telling him you're going to kill him and getting death threats and looking up his address. It's, get the fuck. it's baseball. Sports has been so meaningful to me in my life, but it's sports. Yeah. You're a fan. Anyway, so what's the highlight of your, and I I think I know the answer, what's the highlight of your Cubs fandom? The winning the World Series, I would say, is up there. I would also say I, I got to go, luckily, to the NLDS game against the Giants. And there was, like, a pinch hitter who uh, came in. He was the pitcher. He got brought in. He actually had to hit. And he hit a home run to my, my section in the bleachers in left field. Okay. And I have never heard a stadium louder Wow! than when that ball came in there. And, like, just seeing, like, grin on that guy's face as he ran around the bases was pretty good. Um, when the Cubs won the World Series, kids were about to sleep because it was it was late naturally wife was asleep <laughs> it was a lot different than 2003 where i'm like standing out in the middle of everywhere you know i'm standing here in my you know, watching tv and i'm like jumping around like an idiot and i'm like hi hey, yeah my life's a little different now than it was like 13 years ago and so th- those two those two sections were pretty big there's probably a lot of other good ones but those are the two that stick out to me if i would ask you that question before they won the world series and i said if the cubs won the world series with that you'd be like yeah I feel like the Cubs fans have gotten it now. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm excited. It was amazing. You know, like there are other moments out there. You also had another big moment, right? I got married at Wrigley Field. I was actually trying to get my facts straight before. So so I was talking to my my wife now. And uh, we were moving in together. We had season tickets to the Cubs at the time. But they had a flyer in the bar that we there's a bar that you can walk into they call it the audi club now but back then it was united club so there's like this little bar you can walk so you're like oh man that'd be so cool if we got a wedding reception here and they're like no you can't really really and so we were like looking at places after after the fact because she had sent it to me long before i even engaged like i didn't even bought a ring yet she's like this, this would be pretty cool long before i engaged <laughs> yeah, right. i don't want to say anything you know but you know here'd be pretty cool so we we looked at that it was actually the cheapest option compared to everything that we had looked at plus we had italian sausage and italian beef and hot dogs and like that was our wedding food uh, which was awesome just shows you the type of people that my wife and i are yeah, I, I'd imagine that it wouldn't be that inexpensive now. It'd probably be a little more popular because this was 2010. So this was after the good year. So they were good in 08 and yeah. 07 and 08. And then they started to really tank again in 09. And when right. we got married in 2010, they were pretty bad. What what came with that package? Could you go on the field? We got to go on the field. We got to go on the dugouts. We got to take pictures. I got to throw a pitch from the mound 
What? Uh, yeah, got got some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool pictures of it. So we got to walk all around the concourse. We pretty much got to go everywhere except for we couldn't touch the ivy. They wouldn't even give you a little piece of it. No, yeah, that was the one place I said we couldn't go. Which I was like, you let me go on the mountain, but you wouldn't let me touch the ivy. I mean, I'll take that. So. I've touched the ivy. And I've, wow, interesting. Maybe I shouldn't have touched the ivy. When in the World Series did that change your perspective as a Cubs fan? Because a lot of the Cubs fans had this this idea. It's never going to happen in my lifetime. Like, it didn't happen in my grandparents' lifetime. It didn't happen in their parents' lifetime. It's never going to happen to me. I think, at least from my standpoint, when Theo came over and did it, did all the things he did so systemically, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at everything on an analytic major that we, we have to get the most OPS that we can, the most war that we can per player, and do things in such a consistent and repeatable basis that it became like, all right, this actually might happen because uh, – it's not like it's just luck where you have some kid who didn't know his uh, his slider from the back of his hand, you know, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, he suddenly threw a perfect game. You know, it's like, all right, you know, we're we're good. Like we're we're we we are the best team out there. You know, and it's a different mentality, but I would definitely say it feels different now to be a Cub fan than it did last year at this time, where it was like, no, it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen before. You know, I don't know if he's gonna have my lifetime. You know, I'm only in my thirties and that kind of thing. As you were on this run, you didn't know they were going to win the World Series, but you, you knew you had a really good team. The statistics would support the fact that we had a reasonable chance to do so, even to the point where we got to you know Game 7 of the World Series, which to this day is still the best game I've ever seen, baseball game, regardless of fandom. But it got to the point where, you know, really, a rain delay? Game 7, really? I was like, hey, seriously? Like, okay, everything in the world is conspiring against it just being like a four-game sweep, we're done, okay, it's over. You know, you know, you had to earn it. So for people that don't know... Your huge stat head, yeah, both personal and professional life. You have a, a stats degree, sure, right from probably the, Chicago, yeah. from the place known for stat geeks. Sure, you wrote articles about baseball yes. utilizing statistics, right? The lead up to the World Series, you said statistically speaking, the stats backed up this notion that we were a good team. Explain mm-hmm. that. Well, looking at each individual player, you're not just looking at how many home runs you can hit, right? The, the whole idea is putting yourself into a position that you can score as many runs as you possibly can from each player down the road. So one of the things the Cubs changed around, I mean, similar to Moneyball, is just how much can your guys get on base and how, mu- how much can you, in a situational position, I'm talking pure offense here, continue to get guys into a position to get the next hit just to get balls in play because essentially if you get the ball in play on the ground you have a you have a reasonable expectation that either it's going to sneak between guys or you can hit it to where they're not and those guys are going to continue you know to, to to run in so one of the things the Cubs did was really up their analytical capacity to say in this exact situation what player is going to succeed the most. So there's guys out there like a Ben Zobrist, best year ever hit, I think, 240 from a batting average standpoint. Never going to be a guy who's going to do this, but he has two World Series MVPs. He's just a perfect clutch guy. It's not that he's lucky. It's at a position that he can execute the exact hit where he needs to hit at the exact point in time. So it's these guys who have these, Derek Jeter's another one of those guys, a clutch guy. It's not that they're lucky and good at what they do. These guys actually pay attention. They can get guys on base. They can get guys in. They know how to situationally get to where they need to get to. From that standpoint, you know, there's all these advanced degree, you know, statistics that say, you know, wins above replacement is the big one, and including their offensive and defensive and situational statistics, who better players are. I mean, you just mentioned hitters, but they also have advanced statistics for pitchers. Sure. There would be kind of the inverses. How many runs do you prevent? Well, and then you got the Jose Quintana type of thing where it's like you just get no run support. So, oh, yeah, he's not good because he always loses. Well, because, you know, there's something called fielding independent pitching. So something you can take as a stat that says how good was that pitcher only given the stuff he can control is different from the other stuff that happens in a baseball game. Like you can't control when the guy's going to be able to get a hit or the guy behind you is going to boot it or the other guy gets a good bunt or the guy, you know, you get brought into a game when all you had to do is get a ground ball. And So all that stuff leading up to it, you were – computing and you were like oh not only they look good but statistically this is a good team 
Okay. Yeah. Very. This is an excellent team. The stats really are better for the 162 game season. Yep. It'll tell you if they can go to the playoffs. That's that, that's what they're really good at predicting. Once you get to a seven game series where you're down three one and you just happen to have a, a guy who hit his good night, you know, or you have Bauer who cut his finger on a drone, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's only so yeah. much you could control and up at, at that point. Right. I mean, who who would have thought in the NLCS that Baez would come out there and hit like 500 or whatever he did and become like the next Ozzie Smith and the best fielding second baseman in the playoffs that you've seen? No statistics in the world would predict that because, you know, the guy right. still chases balls when they hit yep. the grass before the dirt. He, as long as you put the good team out there, you knew that you had a fighting chance to go out there and, and win every game. So you mentioned 3-1. They're down 3-1. Kind of the – opposite of what happened with Florida mm -hmm. in a sense of like being down. Uh, and then things started to go to turn, right? They come back home, they get a couple wins. Mm -hmm. Are you sitting here thinking, or oh, they might get one win and it's over? Or you, you think they could pull us out? I was definitely in the former camp. I was like, no, it's done. We're out. Right. You know, it's they right. just looked down on themselves. It was like they had their chin low. You were kind of down. And yeah. it was just like, all right, I'm going to keep watching. And I was like, all right, now it's 3-2. <laughs> I'm like, all right. My wife had to go watch in the other room because that was just not fun to be around because I was a little bit of a Debbie Downer. But I did promise my five-year-old daughter that, okay, if they go to game seven, you can stay up and watch with me. I promise. If it's game seven of World Series and the Cubs, right. you can stay up and watch with me. She, she a, a fan? Huge fan. Except I turned around at the first pitch and she was passed out on the couch. You should have got wife a was passed out on the couch. <laughs> I'm standing there like in the corner, like standing like a nervous Nelly, like in my Cubs jersey that I hadn't washed in the last four weeks because you know playoffs. And because uh, that's what you do. Sure. It's, it's rational. It's right. rational for a stat head to not change his jersey. Sure. Yeah, for it, sure. Because yeah, it uh, affects it affects the the game. Sure. I know the feeling you're talking about. It's this. It's like you feel like you affect the pitches. Yeah. And everything, right? And so game seven, the rain delay happens. What's going through your mind? It was literally, like, fatalistic for me. I was like, are you, are you fucking serious? A fucking rain delay? And I was just, like, sitting there. I, I literally am sitting in this exact seat, mouth agape, like, staring at, like, like whatever was Price is Right or whatever they decided to throw on there. And I was just like, there's a rain delay. It's, like, 1130 at night. <laughs> and there's a rain delay. I like what am I what what am I gonna do? So I, I dragged my daughter who was asleep the entire game sitting mm -hmm. right here. Dragged her up to bed, threw her up to bed, and I dragged my wife into bed. Literally came back and I was like, I don't. I, what am I gonna do with myself? I was kind of playing the next day at work. I was like, all right, do I have to go to work if they don't win? <laughs> yeah, that's gonna suck. But I'm pretty sure I could get out of work. It was a very stressful moment in my life. Yeah. So you celebrate it like quietly because everybody's sleeping. Yes. I literally jumped silently. Did you celebrate in the way you thought you would celebrate at the Cubs World Series? I thought I would be like, you know, spraying beer around and everything and like going crazy. And then I was like, no, nah, I like to drink it. Um, yeah, I was just jumping around. I woke her wife up and she's like, I'm like, honey, honey, the Cubs won. What? Okay, go to bed. And I just like, I'm like, this is a little, look, a little anticlimactic, but I'm like, guess I'll just, guess yeah. I'll just go to sleep now. I mean, I had seen the White Sox win the World Series, and most of my friends are Cubs fans. And for me, I was actually I was ecstatic for them, right? Mm -hmm. I was ecstatic for them, even though I know they were they were not nearly as happy for me when the White Sox won a World Series. Like they they still think it's like a fluke. When the White Sox won, I was like, I was a Chicago fan. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome, you know. I'm like, I had no ill will towards Sox fans, maybe because I didn't have any like Sox fans that re that really were like anti Cubs fans. I felt like. It was time for the people who were Cubs fans to have a celebration, like a World Series championship. And uh, I was like, that was good. I didn't get nearly as much love from my Cub friend fans when we won. It was like, eh, whatever. What I was also pleasantly surprised about the Cubs winning was a celebration. I thought it was going to be a shit show for like two weeks. And it was pretty tame. I thought the city was going to burn down. Productivity shut down for a good two days, but... I guess what I'm trying to say is the true fans came out that loved the city, that loved the Cubs. It wasn't just the transplants who just want to get wasted. It was like true fans. Sure. And it still was the biggest party the city has thrown. But I was pleasantly surprised, right? But what is your take on this Chicago Cubs versus Chicago White Sox thing in the city? I think now that the Cubs have won, 
the World Series, I would say it's in a much different place now where I've never been anti-White Sox. I mean, I do just because I like to be anti-whatever anybody else is because it's fun that way. But right now, I think that where the White Sox are is very similar to where the Cubs were in 2010, 2011. That is just like you're in the slog. It's tough. But I think you guys have some raw talent that has some potential. Some of the prospects you guys got from the sale trade, you know, I think Abreu, he's only, what, like 24? I still like going to Sox games. I'm a baseball fan, so I, I enjoy. But you, you see the hate, right? The Cubs, oh, yeah. Sox hate. You know? On both sides. And I'm like, that's why I think hopefully the the – World Series, like I don't think I've seen a lot of the rubbing into the White Sox. Oh no, because no. I'm like, dude, we won one in like the last 107 years. Like, hooray! You right, know, right? You can go to a Sox game right now and sit like 10 rows off of third or first baseline for 25 bucks. Oh yeah, we take our kids. It's cheaper for us. If I'm going to take my kids to a game, I'd rather take them to a Sox game because we're only going to stay through three innings anyway. I just always feel like there's in this city, there's always a big brother, little brother mm-hmm. complex both ways. Like, I'm a Cubs fan, so we're better than you. I'm a Sox fan, and you're always putting me down. Like, leave me alone. And like, I try to get away from it, but it always comes back when you go to a Cubs-Sox game, and then the fights break out. It's, like, it's just ridiculous. I mean. One time I, 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 like, stepped in between two people. I'm like, all right, what are you really fighting about? Are you fighting that that guy on the field makes $8 million, $20 million? Oh, and he could care less whether he's wearing a yeah, Sox hat or right. a Tampa Bay Razor. Yeah. <laughs> The next five years, what do you see? If we play this five years from now, like, and we look back and we try to say, okay, this is what Patrick predicted. I would say, as far as the Cubs are concerned, I would say the Cubs are going to get at least one more World Series out of it. They'll be able to get to the playoffs, I would say, a majority of the next five years. Getting to that next level of winning the World Series is going to be pure luck, as who's going to be hot at the right time. And the team who wins the wild card is more likely to win the World Series than the team who is the number one seed because they had to work for it. And they're hot, and they're hungry for it, and they really want it. Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series, and maybe sooner than we think. What's your connection to Chicago? I was born here. Right. <laughs> That's all I would say to that. <laughs> yeah. I was born here. My dad moved us out when we was like five. Okay. So I am a suburbaner. But I was born in Chicago and like I'm not like completely dumb to Chicago. I got some Chicago Tennessee's in me. So how'd you become a Cubs fan? Because the stereotype is that South, Southwest is White Sox territory. So how did you become a Cubs fan? When I was a young, young kid, I remember going to Cubs games all the time. Okay. But then, you know, it got to that point where White Sox became, like, water tickets because, you know, they pretty much, they're back at that point now, they pretty much giving away the White Sox tickets. Yeah. From my childhood, from, like, in the beginning until like maybe about 12, 13, it was always Cubs games. And then, like, Cubs got popular. And when you say we, is it your dad? My dad. My dad always took me to the games. And then, like, so the games got too expensive, so we had to go to the other side. You go to the Sox games because, you know, 10 bucks, you in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be bad. It's not a good stadium, but it's still a good seat for 10 bucks. You could see. Yeah, but you still claim to be a Cubs fan, though, right, even after all that. Yeah. Prices went up. I like baseball, so I'll go watch the White Sox. Like, I'm a Cubs fan. I love the Cubs dear and dear, but I'm not that crazy Cubs fan that, like, be always rooting against the White Sox and, like, like, I only root against the White Sox when they play Detroit or they play the Cubs. Other than that, go ahead and get you a victory. You ain't going to affect me none. Okay. Wait, wait. Why Detroit? I don't know. I just got a love infatuation with Detroit Tigers. That and I was mad when uh, Isaac Gein chased uh, Maggie O'Donoghue out of town. Oh, yeah. That hurt. He was saying some kind of racist stuff, too. He called him a Venezuelan piece of shit. He calls everybody so. I mean, this is the same dude that said Fidel Castro was a genius, pretty much. Right. Oh, <laughs> cost yeah. him a job. Right. You were going to the games with your dad. Right. And then tickets got too expensive. You still remain loyal to the Cubs. So when you would go to the Sox stadium, did you wear your Cubs gear no, to the game? No, that's rule number one on my playbook. If it ain't on the field, you don't wear that gear. I hate when people do that. That is the dumbest thing ever. Don't come to a baseball game wearing a bull shirt. Don't come to a baseball game wearing a Blackhawk shirt. If they're not on the field, don't wear it. So when I wear a White Sox hat to a Cubs game, I'm being disrespectful? Or, or 
Or what am I being lame? What what is it? If I go to a, a Cubs game, I wear like White Sox gear head to toe. I understand because like you ain't gonna wear Cubs gear, so no, like, absolutely. I, I give you not. a pass. I give you a pass on that. But okay. still, I'm just talking about like how people come in there and be just wearing like stupid stuff. And okay. Like no, like when I go to the White Sox game, I used to just got regular clothes on. You got regular, cl- so you wouldn't wear your Cubs gear unless the Cubs are playing. No. Okay. So like for example, first of all. I ain't trying to be having to argue with nobody all night. <laughs> it's like tickets are getting a little too expensive to be acting stupid. But if, let's say if I go to a Yankees game in New York and I wear a White Sox hat and the Sox are not playing, I can't do that? I wouldn't do that because I heard it's pretty rough over there. Okay, the Bronx. Okay. <laughs> That's the Bronx. So, okay. You know how Here's another one. Yankees, man. I just bought a – I've been looking for this jersey for a long time at the right price. So I just bought a Jackie Robinson jersey. It's a Brooklyn Dodgers jersey. Can I wear that jersey? I don't know. I think it's because it's Jackie. You can just get away with that right, everywhere. Right, right. So that's what I figured. I can wear You're that. You're paying homage to a, like, a, a right. professional. Right, okay. I mean, they got a whole day dedicated to him, so he's something special. Okay. <laughs> so we, we had some friends come out of town from Belgium, the country, and another friend of mine is also friends with them, mutual friends. My friend, the one that's based in Chicago, she's a Sox fan too. So she and her husband wore Sox gear. I wore my Sox gear, but the people from Belgium – Wanted to go to a Cubs game. So we were wearing all of our socks gear, you know, sitting in decent seats watching the Cubs game. And people were looking at us like, okay, all right, those are Sox fans. They're true. They're not going to jump on the bandwagon. We didn't get too much crap, right? I mean, and it's another thing when your team is so sucky, right? Like we are. I mean, we're literally like something like 50 and 90 or something. Yeah. But we're still supporting. 30 and a half back. Right. So we're still supporting. Right. Right. But I don't think we could wear Sox gear if we went to like a Padres game and we're not in Chicago. I think you do get a pass when you're in Chicago and you support your team. Because what I've learned over time is that nobody wants a bandwagon fan. Right. Yeah, that's the worst. Like your dad, when he wears the Sox shirt and the Cubs hat, that's like the most ridiculous, disrespectful. Well, at least he's finally getting on sports team. I mean, this is the dude he used to take to the White Sox game and had a Negro League shirt on all the time. Like, Dad, they ain't played in like a million years. I mean, <laughs> let it go, homie. But the make it so bad, he always get compliments when he wear it. That's what yeah, made it even worse. I, yeah, like, it's, it's cool. I, on, I can't it's, help this. It's, it's almost like Jackie Robinson is paying respect. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to agree with uh, Senior on that one. All right, so... You didn't jump ship. You stuck with the Cubs, even when the prices went up. Yeah. And then when their prices went up, they still sucked yes. for the most part. And they still up. <laughs> yeah. You win the World Series. You you have the. And they were up before they won the World Series. But, but they were on the rise. No, the tickets are expensive. That's the price of success. There are Golden State fans out in Oakland that complain about the same thing back when Golden State wasn't great. And now they're one of the best franchises out there. But whatever number of years ago. And the Cubs were stinking. You wanted them to do better, right? Yeah. But when they do better, the prices go up. And you start to price some people out, right? So we don't go to every game, but I don't mind paying $150 if I'm going to see a good game, like if it's a playoff game. Are we talking $150 a ticket? A ticket, yeah. <sighs> I know, right? I'm just saying, you start pricing. Wait, hold on. Who they playing? Let's go pay $150 what if, for What if it's the playoffs? Oh, yeah, I'm in. Okay, playoffs, you in. What yeah. about World Series? 300, 400? All I can say is last year, she lucky I ain't had the bankroll. <laughs> I've been divorced. <laughs> That's all I can say to that. Because yeah. the only reason I wasn't at a World Series game is because it wasn't in the bank. If it was in the bank, it would have been in the Cubs' pocket. What would you have been willing to pay to go to a Cubs game? You talking in the World Series? Yeah, World Series. If I had it, whatever it took. I would literally would have emptied out the bank account to go to the World Series. So if I said, oh, there's a ticket for $1,000. And I had it, yeah. it would have been gone. I would have <laughs> did it. If you had season tickets, your season tickets cost you $100 a ticket. Would you sell them to your friends or someone for $6,000? I don't think I got a friend that's going to pay 6000 But if I do, it would have been sold. Really? Not all of them. Wait, hold on. We took myself selling the whole season ticket? The whole, Wait. One game. One game. Yeah. Yeah, because you guarantee, what, three? I had to go to the first one. That was the first World Series game in Chicago since, like, Booms days. So you got to go to that one. But that second one, yeah, that would have been game five, so it's not a clincher. Well, it could have been a clincher. Well, it was a clincher. Oh, see, you couldn't even sell it. You got to wait. 
Because that's a clincher. You can't sell that. Well, it was 3-1. Looking back now, we know it wasn't a clincher, but it could have been a clincher. So that had been like a sell you had to put on hold. <laughs> but like, I can't prove it now, but wait till later. I have a fundamental problem selling tickets for more than eight or nine times more than what I bought it for. Like, if I was selling to a friend, I wouldn't market at 6000 But yeah. if you're coming at me at 6000 it's yours. Right. Let's say you had the potential to put it on StubHub. Whatever. I'm taking what so, you're going to give me. But let's say you put it on StubHub, and mm-hmm. your friend comes to you and says, hey, man, I really want to go to that game. And you're like, I got it on StubHub for six grand. We talking like a friend or an associate? <laughs> yeah. We talking a friend. How so much would you boy. sell? Yeah. How much would you sell them to your friend? It's like my boy boy. Me and you or like my boy Sims or something? Yeah. That's cost. You can that have that cost. For a World Series? I wouldn't expect you to but sell But see, there's for, two tickets. I know. So, But I wouldn't. No, I'm taking both. T- I'm buying both tickets. You're not going. I'm buying them. I'm taking taking somebody else. Take it. No, I'll see people born. We're just going to go with me. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to buy the tickets. Then you got to remember, you got to look and see how my pocket's looking at the time. <laughs> Like, that determines a lot of stuff. <laughs> my bank is light. So. <laughs> you know, the bank is light. You got to get some money. But if the bank, you're like, you're good. Then like, hey. Uh, so, okay. So, let's say you're not good. And you're like, hey, I could use some money. What's the maximum you would sell it to one of your good friends? Maybe like a $100 upkeep or something. Like, you don't, wild, you don't gouge okay. your friend. Yeah. That's going to come back because you're going to need that money. The most I would be willing to sell to a friend for a World Series NBA Finals would probably be seven times what I paid for it. That's me. So I'm assuming, as a Cubs fan, the highlight of your fandom was winning the World Series. Yeah. Was it? That was nice. That was a hesitation, though. It was nice. It wasn't your best memory of being a Cubs fan? It's like, it took a while. You had to wait till it sink in. Cause like, Has it not it, sunk in? It sunk in now, but when it happened, it was just like, like you could ask my wife, like, I just got up took a shower and went to work it was like it didn't sink in it was like when you saw the rally and stuff and then that's when it sunk in it's like oh like and when people kept saying it it was like the world champion chicago cubs and it was like holy cow they wait a minute they really won the world series so it sounds to me like you all have been trained to expect nothing but failure yes when they had the team before the bartman thing that was the year like, you felt it, you knew it, you was like, we finna win a World Series. Like, the Cubs team from last year and the year before that, you was like, it's coming. But you didn't think it was coming now. It was like, in a few years, we're going to get that where, that chip. And then, so when it got close, it was just like, eh, eh, it's the Cubs. I mean, <laughs> come on. Then, like, you, I, no, it's, so, it's funny. You, you it's just like this defeatist, this defeatist mentality. You go down 3-1, it's like, oh, man. I mean... Christine was in Vegas. I'm still placing bets like an idiot. Like, I'm just throwing the money away pretty much in my eyes. Like, that's just Cub stuff. Like so that. you were betting? Yeah, I was betting. I was like, like I like I had, she played the place the one game. I was like, put 20 on this one. I lost it. Man, put another 20 on the next game. I'm just throwing money away. You're like, man, they ain't finna win this. And then I, it was just like, whatever. But it's like, you 3-1, it's like, oh, come on. Then they win the next one. You're like, okay, wait, maybe. This is possible. Yeah. Win the next one. Then, you know, the, the seventh game, we killing them. Like, oh, my goodness, they finna win the World Series. Yeah. Then Mr. Davis with that home run, like, see, there you go. Told you. That's the Cubs. And then the rain delay. That's what saved our butts. The rain delay. The great rain delay. In the World Series, you get up more than two runs. It's it's a good thing. Yeah, and they were killing them. I mean, Grandpa Ross hit a home run. His last at bat. It was like, come on, that's a swung song, baby. Mr. Ross, he hit his home run. It's like, we got this. And then they just started folding. Yep. And it was like, see, that's the Cubs. That's okay. how we do it. So the rain delay happens. What are you, you sitting there doing the rain delay. What are you thinking? First, I'm thinking, like, man, I need to be at work by 1230 so I can get a half shift. It's like, so can we get this rain delay over with? <laughs> okay. All right. And then it's like, the rain day is over. And it's like, uh, what's going to happen here? It's like, man, let's not lose this. Then you hear about how they, Jason Hayward, Mr. I don't hit nothing that year. I mean, we paid him a hundred something million for his glove because he wasn't hitting not a thing. And they say he pulled them together in the weight room and had a meeting. It was like, I hope it works. And they went out there and they did what they had to do and we won. The rain delay, you believe, saved the team. Yes. They come out there and they win. And then after that, you're just like, oh, I got I to gotta get to work. You're kind of numb. Yeah. And then you get to work, you work. 
and it still hasn't hit you? Ah, people like congratulations, good job and stuff, and you like, like, eh, all right, whatever. Then you go home, you start watching the news, you see them all out there. They're waiting for the bus to come back to Wrigley. Yeah. They're cheering, going pandemonium. I mean, it's on all the news. There was nothing going on in the world but the Cubs World Series. <laughs> like there yeah. was nothing. There was no other news. When it finally sunk in, how did you feel? It was great. It was like this is was like it, what was, we were waiting for. Was it worth the wait? I don't know. <laughs> like it's a hundred eight years. I but guess. for you, it's been almost forty years, right? So forty years. It's like my granddaddy lived to be ninety five, and he didn't see it. I mean, right. come on, this man seen a lot of stuff, but he didn't see that. In my lifetime, I have seen all my sports. I got a chance to see all my sports teams win the championship. Ain't that the right? truth? The Bears, the Bulls, yep. the Blackhawks, um, and the White Sox. Squads were winning championships. <laughs> there are people in cities that don't even get a chance to see one team, but all of our teams in our lifetime have won. But what's your least favorite Cubs moment? Bartman. Why? Why the Bartman game? Everyone says it wasn't his fault. I understand that. It, like, it wasn't his fault. But if you watch the replay, when yo Fieldman is trying to catch a ball, you don't try to catch the ball. You get the hell out the way. My man was trying to catch the ball, too. Yeah. That's not how you do it. So, and you sitting there with a Cubs jersey on. How you going to wear a Cubs jersey? And Moses and Lou, your player trying to catch the ball, and you try to catch it. But you you said you watched the, the game. You watched that over and over again. You saw everybody else reaching for the ball too. He just happened to be in the. But he was in the I way. I know, but everybody, other Cubs fans were there yeah. reaching too. Well, you know, but he he the one. Yeah. He's the escape go, all right? <laughs> but people were just mean to the guy. Mean ain't the word. But for record, I think he came up. I mean, the man got a World Series ring out of it. He had to go into hiding. Well, you know, hey, but <laughs> you know, how many hey. offers? Hold on, but how many offers was given to him to come out of hiding that he didn't take? I mean, they were offering millions for him to show up and do signings and stuff, and he chose not to take it. So right. I think personally, I but think he came up. I mean, I, I kind of respect the guy a little bit, right? Because it wasn't about himself; it was about the game. Like it was about the Cubs. You look at him; he was wearing his headphones. Only people that wear headphones are older people that want yeah, to hear the radio, right? But for the record, we don't know what he was listening to. <laughs> but you think he was listening to some Nas? Man, for the record, <laughs> oh, like wow. after you watched it, it was just like, oh, so you you really have some feelings towards I, that like, whole man. I don't even know if he was a true. It looked like he just looked like a dude. That, he might have been a dude that just threw on a like somebody gave him a ticket. He threw on a jersey. He had his headphones on, listening to whatever he was listening you to. You know, come on, you don't believe that, do you? It's a possibility. Anything's possible <laughs> in this world. You know that. Your your hate for that moment has let you say, I don't That was know, our year. He could <laughs> he could That was our year. You sound like these crazy people that, that made the guy go into hiding. I ain't trying to kill the man, but still that was our year. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even Cause I was talking I was talking to Patrick about this and he was like, What are those people thinking? Like, just let the man be. Because you've read the stories, right? You've heard the stories that yeah. he was a lifelong Cubs fan. Probably That's the biggest. Everybody so- says that. <laughs> he tried to save his butt. That was the most hated man in Chicago. But I'm saying before the, the quote-unquote Bartman game, <laughs> he was just a regular Cubs fan. He saved up his money for tickets to go to the game. He was into the game. No? You're no. not, you're not, you're not no. really feeling it? No. Okay. I'd have been clearing them out like, hey, get back, let my man get back. Okay, so when that happened, your your natural instinct wouldn't have been like, oh, ball, catch it. You'd have been like, oh, wait, this is game whatever, six. If you ever been to a baseball game and you've been close to them balls, a real man ain't trying to catch them. That noise that ball makes when it comes whizzing in, I'm out. <laughs> I had a chance once for a home run ball, and I heard it, and I got out of there. I was gone. That's damage. So when that happened, how did you feel? I couldn't believe it. But then you figured, it was like, all right, we'll survive. And then, like, it just went south from there. You still had the rest of the game, and you still had another game. Wait, let's clear the air first. Like, yeah, Barbie did his thing, but there's another one out there we need to hang up, too. Well, Gonzalez? No, my man Dusty Baker. 
Gonzalez bobbled the ball for the double put. Dusty killed his pitchers. I mean, Dusty pitched them to death. I mean, he pitched them so bad that Pryor never even lived up to his potential. After that series, he was pretty much done forever. And Kerry Wood had to become a closer because he couldn't go for six, seven innings no more. Okay, so Bartman and Dusty. Yes. Or maybe just the Marlins was just a better team. Nah, they just got lucky. <laughs> uh, I can't give you that. I, I love talking to Cubs fans. Cause, I can't give cause you, you that. So, a lot of you, not all of you, are some of the most irrational people, right? Like you literally thought the Cubs were going to lose it until the rain, the, the rain delay. And then, and then when you win it, you're like, come on, man. It was like, what was it? Four, one, five, one. It was like in the bag. Like I was celebrating. Even you was on Facebook. Like, Hey dude, slow down. And then they're like, it's at a turn. Oh, oh like, wait, now you blaming me? No, nah, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> like, no, nah, wait, 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 hold on. Like, it was like four, five, one or something. Wait, 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 wait. You, you literally, my Facebook message to you said, hey, slow down. The game's not over. Right. And then, and and then, then you're like, that's it, a turning point. For it, I blew it. Hold on, wait. And then it went south. And then I was like, damn, man, I did that. Why did I do that? Like, I got scared. <laughs> I was like, because, like, I was, I was feeling myself, man. I was like, we got this. It's like five, one. They hit no runs. They killing them. Wow. But all your thoughts are kind of irrational. You posting something on Facebook, turn the tide, and me responding, turn the tide. Or or, or Bartman, <laughs> turn the tide. Oh, Bartman turned the tide, man. Forget him. Man, I, I never knew how conditioned the Cubs fans are. It's, it's like... It's been 108 years, man. What else we got? We ain't got nothing. So are your kids allowed to pick the team they want to root for? Kayla's a White Sox fan. Okay. And Jasmine's a Cubs fan. So you okay with that? I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't buying her no Cubs shirt or White Sox shirt. <laughs> You're not buying? <laughs> no. I, I don't buy it. No, it's, it's hey, so. Hey, for the record, I bought her one White Sox jersey, one White Sox shirt, and that was only because it was King Griffey Jr. That's my dude. That's it. So most Chicagoans will tell you that they really don't care who you root for as long as you stay true to your team. Right. I'm with you as far as like, I don't root against the Cubs, but I could never wear Cubs gear anymore. I'm not going to be on the Cubs bandwagon. When they were in the World Series, it was good for the city. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my friends getting the experience what I experienced. I enjoyed you getting the experience what I experienced. But a lot of people, they, they just hate on each other, man. The only time where I think that it's okay to have significant amount of hate is when the Cubs and White Sox are playing. And even then, it should never come to blows. We might trash talk. It's nothing so serious where it has to be a fight. I, that's why I draw the line. Yeah. Like, I like the trash talking. I love it. I love yeah, but the... But you got to know when to say when, though. Because, like, last year I went to the Cubs versus White Sox game at the cell. Yep. And the dude was on me all game. It was like, come on, dude. Y'all are in, like, last place. We're still in first. <laughs> you won the game. Congratulations, man. What do you want, a buzzle sticker? You could keep that little stupid cup. What is that gonna do? For <laughs> the <you>? cup. <laughs> I remember. Oh, was it uh, Hawk Harrelson was like, "This is a big deal. We yeah. keep, we're keeping the cup." I'm like, uh, the, the Cubs are probably gonna win the World Series. I want to take full credit since you're giving out irrational credit. <laughs> I want to take full credit for this. I called it. I said two years ago. I said I think the Cubs are gonna start making significant runs. If they don't make the playoffs every year from now on, it's going to be, you know, a disappointment. And then last year before the season started, I said, I think the Cubs have put together, assembled a team that's going to win the World Series. <laughs> I think I put that out there and all the Cubs fans are like, you're jinxing us. You're just saying that because you're a White Sox fan and you're trying to jinx us. And I was like, hold on. Have you been conditioned so, like, so much around losing that you can't literally take a compliment or high expectations. Yeah, we're conditioned for losing. We know. My grandfather that I was closest to was a Cubs fan on my dad's side. Grandfather on my mom's side, like I wasn't really close to him. He was a Sox fan. So my grandfather on my dad's side passed away. And so I couldn't watch Cubs games anymore. So it was just too difficult. So I became a Sox fan. And that was really the only thing that me and my grandfather bonded over was Sox games. Everything else, it was is oil and water. And so when the Sox won, I was happy for my grandfather. I was sad that he wasn't there because he would have loved to have been there uh, for the game. But my most memorable Cubs moment 
when growing up was they used to always play day games. I used to sit down with my grandfather and watch games. And I remember, I don't know if it was before he passed away, but it was when Andre Dawson came to the Cubs. Hulk. And he was just crushing home. I think he hit 49 home runs all year. And, it, and I just couldn't believe it. It was like this little, he, he looked pretty skinny to me. But he looked pretty jacked, and he, you know, he had the Jerry curl going, and I just remember him like hitting, crushing home runs, and like the in the stands, out in the bleachers, and people going crazy. And back then, when you looked at TV, you looked at the bleachers, and I just had this thought in my head. I was like, "Man, look at these people in the middle of the day. They didn't got shit to do. Their lives are so good. They can go to games." And I was like, "One day, I want a such a good life that I can go to a game." You know, a baseball <laughs> game in the middle of the day and just have fun. So what are your expectations now that you have the World Series for the Cubs? You have probably one of the best ownership groups that's going to spend money. You have the best management team with Theo Epstein. You have one of the better managers. Well, hold on, man. You said best ownership group. I, I don't think you're giving them too much credit. They just freeballing. They're letting Theo do his thing. Theo is the ownership group. Theo running that show. He's just lucky enough to have a boss that's just letting him do his thing. That's it. The ownership group before the Ricketts family. Straight in for the money. When the Ricketts came in, everybody thought the same thing. Because that remember that recording came out. He was talking to his daddy. Yeah. And he was like, why you want to buy the Cubs? He was like, dude, they sell out even when they suck. Why not buy the Cubs? Yeah. And so everybody thought, and from the first few years, that's what they were doing. They were terrible. So he was like, yeah. oh, you just in here to get the money. There are ownership groups that are billionaires, and all they do, they just sit on it. The team's right. going to be worth more in the future. So they fought the battle with the the rooftop, right? Which I never understood the point of that. That don't make no sense to me. Why are you fighting rooftop dudes when your place is still sold out? Your place is not empty. Yeah, you can't get that money, but where are you going to put that money? Because yeah. they can't come in the ballpark because it's already sold out. Right. So why are you fighting a battle that you don't need to fight? Right. That's just greed. It is greed. <laughs> so that's one thing. They fought the city when it came to Wrigley being a landmark, and they wanted to add different seating and create right. different fan experiences, right? They fought that battle. Then they went out and they fired the manager a year or two in. Theo did. Then they brought in Theo. Anybody could have brought in Theo. Theo was on the streets, unemployed, after leaving Boston. You have to give ownership some credit for that. I guess. So Wrigley now, they're building a hotel right across the street. Yeah. The parking lot that all the fans used to love, the parking lot right outside of Wrigley because they could see the players. Now, that's gone. They put in that fun area that's connected to a bar, right? So they're doing the right things. The ownership group is, right? And Theo is the president doing great things as well. Then you got a great manager. Then you have probably the most talented team under 26, 27. So for those that don't know, the rooftops are these apartment buildings that are right outside the outfield. Oh, for the record, I don't even think you can call them apartment buildings no more because most of them no one live in them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, they used to be apartment buildings, right. and then some very industrious owners decided to put some bleachers on top of the rooftops of the apartment buildings. And then the next generation of owners, which typically are just passed down to the kids, they gutted the inside of the apartment buildings and made them kind of luxury suites with buffet-style setups where you can get all-you-can-eat packages, all-you-can-drink, and they were charging 100 to $150 a person to just sit on the rooftops right outside of the bleachers to yeah. watch the game. So that's just some background on these rooftops. And the owner of the Cubs, the, the Ricketts family, there was an agreement made between all of the 11 rooftops, I believe it's 11 of them, to pay the Wrigley owners a million dollars a year for the rights to view the games. And then the Ricketts, right? And, the, and so that's $11 million. And the Ricketts were like, we can get $11 million from, you know, putting up signs and this right. and that. So you need to pay us more. And so they pretty much what my friend calls efficient breach which is a legal term, I guess, which means that I'm willing to pay the fee to break this contract. And so they did that and wiped out those things, and now the rooftops are struggling. 
And I think the Cubs bought most of the rooftops. Yeah, they got so. they own a few of them now. Right. So essentially in a few years. Because when you watch the game, they, they advertise for them now. Right. So essentially the rooftops are either going to be owned and controlled by the Cubs or those buildings are going to get torn down to build something else over there for the Cubs. For the record, the rooftops aren't what it's supposed to be anymore anyway. It's no point of going up there. You're just going up there to eat and drink. Groupon's the kingpin. That's where you go to get your rooftop tickets. Yeah. You just learn something, people. Now, if you go on there and look at it, even they say it's obstructive view because nine out of ten, you ain't finna see nothing. Right. But the back of the scoreboard because yeah. that scoreboard's taking up everything. Yeah. And that was another big debate with the family is that the Wrigley Field is a very historic field. It pretty much was the same field that your father looked at, your yep. grandfather looked at, your great-grandfather if they were going to the Cubs games or if they were sitting in now – you have a lots of billboards and advertising. Then they put in a um, scoreboard that blocks a lot of the view in the outfield. Yep. Now you can see what the other teams are doing. In the league, right. And you can watch replays without trying to find that little TV above your head. Right. So all this stuff, they've added because all the newer stadiums have all of those amenities. And so the Ricketts family came in and did that. And that's something that's kind of controversial. Some people like the old authenticity of Wrigley Field. With the piss troughs and the... Well, that's something we really need to talk about. <laughs> now, true fan, you like... When you think of the concept, it sounds nasty. But anybody been to a Cubs game, no. You ain't waiting in line at the Cubs game. I mean, you in and out service up in there. You go to the cell, you finna wait. So you're saying that the piss trough, which is basically just a big bathtub that you pee in, yeah, was more efficient and quicker than... The individual urinal? Yes. Let's be honest. It's nasty, man. It like, the piss trough is just uh, disgusting to me. It's it is, but ain't a lie, though. You ain't missing nothing. You just in and out. Why? why? No. <laughs> what do you want for the future for your Cubs teams? The one thing I want is we got to bring Sammy Sosa home. Why is it important that he comes back? Like, he ain't put them, like, where they're at now, but he helped them. Like, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire... They rebuilt baseball. Yeah, they were on steroids, but you remember after that strike, everybody was out. Baseball yep. was dead in the water. There yep. was no baseball. No one cared about baseball. Then them two dudes came out of there and started hitting home runs left and right, and it was just like, hold on, wait a minute, what's this? Oh, that's baseball. Let's watch baseball. I mean, you was interrupting games and television to watch them hit home runs. When they came in the bat, it's like, oh, they're going to hit the bell and run? Is it going to be a home run this time? And you sat there and you made all that money off of them. And you knew at the time they were on roids, but she didn't care. But So now you just throw them out to the pastor and it's like, forget about them. Now the Ricketts, they don't really owe it to Sam because they had a team at the time. And if you think about it, really, the Ricketts had to pay more for the Cubs because of Sammy Sosa. Because if Sammy Sosa wasn't there, the price true. for the Cubs would have been way cheaper. So I guess he kind of hurt them a little bit. But still, I believe if you talk to any true Cubs fan, that's what they want. They want them to come home. It doesn't matter that Sammy in his last game – left the team, didn't finish but, out, packed up. You don't care about that. Um, you had something in your life that you ended that you wish you didn't end it that way. Everyone has done that. Like, everybody <laughs> had that moment, you know. No, that's fair. It's like, like I, I believe if you talk to him, he'll say, you know, like, yeah, I messed up. That was my fault. I shouldn't have did that. I haven't read anywhere where he's apologized. I've read that he wants to come back to Chicago. From what I understand, I believe he's pretty much what he was saying was, like, he's willing to come back to Chicago or whatever. But he wasn't going to kiss their ass. Right. He's like, I'm not going to go over there and be begging and pleading to come back. Like, if you call right. and, like, invite me, I'm there. But I'm not going to be begging you. Isn't there something to be said that if the Cubs are willing to bring him back, but there is some stuff on his side that he needs to take ownership of and, and maybe apologize? But apologize to who? Not to the team, but to the fans. When they traded him, I, I wouldn't even call it a trade. Everybody says he got traded. I say he didn't get traded. He got gave away. They gave him away. Jerison Harrison Jr. That dude, come on. I'm just curious. But you remember Sammy Sosa actually started on the on the White Sox. On I the remember. South side. When I used to go to the White Sox game, he was in right field. And like you said earlier, he had a Jerry Curl, too. A Jerry Curl too. <laughs> All of our favorite players had Jerry Curl. <laughs> he had a Jerry Curl too. But you're absolutely right about Sosa and McGuire. They they made baseball really popular again. When you go on a strike or a whole like a lockout, the fans kind of turn. Any fan, when they look at it, they always think of it the same way. You got million-dollar dudes crying about some more million dollars. And you sitting here looking for your next paycheck. 
and these mugs got millions in the bank and they crying about another million. And all you think to yourself is, man, if I had one million, I'd be good. So there was like a three to four year period, right? Where Sammy Sosa, that was the draw. I mean, it was Sammy Sosa and then you had the, the pitchers, but like that was the team. After all the equity he built up with the fans, towards the end, the fans kind of turned on him too. There was like the last couple games of the year. It, the season might not even been over. He packed his bags and was like, I'm out. I think they took him out of the, the game in like the sixth inning or something. And they said he went straight to the clubhouse, showered, packed up, and bounced. Yeah. They came after the end of the game to talk to him, and he was nowhere to be found. Franchise players don't do that. Like, come on. People make mistakes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> do you want to see more playoff runs? Do you want to see another? Do you need another World Series to be? That'd be nice, but, you know, seeing it, I already it went 108, you know, like, I ain't going to be greedy about it. <laughs> I saw one. I'm oh, one is, one is suffice? No, it's like Jello. There's always room for more, but, you know. <laughs> Deeper Dish is hosted by Farah. Intro, mixing, editing is done by Alyssa Moxley. Produced by me, Farah. Our outro was performed by From Beyond These Walls, and the song is City of Dystopia. If you want to contact us directly, feel free to contact us at deeperdishshy at gmail.com or on Twitter. Our handle is at deeperdishshy. Our website is www.deeperdishshy.com. <laughs>